there's an iconic scene in one of the comic books where they tell Vader, like, you know, we have you surrounded. And he's like, you know, I'm only surrounded by dead men and fear. I guess Craig thinks that I have things to say. <laughs> we have things to say. About how valuable you are, we're going to figure that out by the end of this show. <laughs> okay. And, and roughly ballpark, how many models Imperial does that mean? And how many Rebels does that mean? Ballpark. Uh, it depends. I mean, oh, because, no shit, it depends. It, I know it, that. It <laughs> there are few things better than stepping away from the screens. Unplugging and sitting around a table to do battle with your friends. Every week, Third Floor Wars brings you the latest strategies, tactics, and reviews on board games, card games, and miniature games like Malifaux. If you want useful information on the games you already play, or new insights on great games other people are playing, you are in the right place. Craig and Ray welcome you to the third floor and the Tabletop Talk broadcast. Craig here on the third floor, and we're trying something new today. Uh, so far in the podcast, we've been focused most on Malifaux, and it's time for us to branch out. So this is going to be the first and hopefully an ongoing series of Craig should be playing something else. And today we're going to be talking about why Craig should be playing Star Wars Legion. And we got two special guests on. We've got Paul Regina and uh, Donald Kroger. Paul, you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Paul. Um, if you if you know the sound of my voice, it's because I am one of the three men and, well, we say a war game, but it's actually lots and lots of war games. Um, so I, I've been doing doing some podcasting for a while over, over there. And um, I guess Craig thinks that I have things to say. <laughs> well, you have things to say. How valuable you are, we're going to figure that out by the end of this show. <laughs> that's right. That's but, right. Uh, Craig's going to give me valuable feedback on my uh, legitimacy. <laughs> Paul, uh, Paul's uh, very active here in the local scene in North Carolina. And uh, I know Paul through Malifaux because uh, he's one of the henchmen here in uh, the Triangle area. Correct. And um, one of the things that... Fairly, uh, fairly Paul- inactive. I don't want to take away from the people who are putting on the events quite regularly because I am not one of those. Yep, which is something we talk about often. But um, uh, what Paul is really known for is his gaming ADD. Um, you pretty much can blink and see Paul's going to be playing a new game. The uh, uh, one thing that's valuable, though, is that I've always uh, looked to Paul to really give me a, a good assessment of what's good out there because he's played most of it. And uh, kind of Paul's sensibility about what makes a game good uh, has always been very similar to mine. So, um, and like uh, he said, make sure you check out that Three Men in a War Game podcast because it uh, it's the perfect uh, vessel to carry uh, the ADD that Paul has. Yes. Okay, I, <laughs> it really <laughs> my, is. My medication for ADHD can't solve my wargaming problem. <laughs> so our other guest is uh, uh, Donald Koger. Uh, Donald, can you give us a, let us know who yeah, you are? Yeah, sure. Uh, so my name is Don Koger, as uh, you covered. And uh, I own, uh, and I'm the lead designer at Gadzooks Gaming. And uh, we're a company that makes gaming accessories, um, miniatures, and, and things to, to make you have a better time while you're playing. And uh, we're a small operation. It started with just my brother and I. And uh, we're up to a crew of six now, which is awesome. And uh, we we started mostly with Malifaux, which was my first game, but my first you know 
adventure into minis was was with Malifaux. And uh, so from now on, like for from into the future, every, every game gets compared against the yardstick that, that is Malifaux, which uh, is a pretty solid yardstick to use. Uh, you know, one of the uh, you know, it's one of the bigger games out there and uh, they're growing. They have a, a third edition coming out, which is awesome. And so we're excited to offer new products to tailor to the new rule set. And then also um, we make things for other games. We have a, a lot of products for Star Wars Legion. We give customers the opportunity to customize their minis. Um, while Fantasy Flight has kind of followed behind us and now they're giving you more options with their figures, they have more aliens coming out. We were the first to offer any customization. We came out with the the customizable heads to pop on, to pop their head off and put our little head on um, as soon as the game came out. So we're pretty excited to be, you know, on the, on the, one of the forerunners there. Um, but we, I've now become addicted to every game I've played. Um, and so I'm excited to talk about more games and uh, try to recruit more people to play so I could have more people to play with. Yeah. Um, and now, uh, I was a customer of Donald's before he and I actually ever met. Um, I've been ordering stuff from Gadzooks. What I've always liked the most about Gadzooks is the ability for me to buy single models outside of a crew box. Um, so every once in a while, you're going to have a model that you need and you really don't want to buy the whole crew box. And that's really, I think where I first came across uh, your store, uh, Donald. And then, uh, some of the, uh, stuff you start putting out, some of the accessories for gaming, uh, the flame pillars that you guys have are awesome. I use them, uh, every time I played with Sonya and, uh, just now the some of the more innovative stuff that you're putting out is really great. And it's, it's kind of cool because, uh, you know, because of your passion for, for Malifaux, uh, you really, you've got a lot of goodies on there. So everybody make sure you check out, uh, uh, Gadzooks gaming and there'll be links in the show notes. All right. Talk, enough talking about how good we all are and how great we all are. Let's, uh, our, let's our talk backs about, are padded. <laughs> that's right. Let's talk about games a little bit. So, uh, Star Wars Legion is a game that, uh, when I first heard that they were putting out a Star Wars mini game, um, I squeed a little bit because I, uh, am a huge Star Wars fan. And, uh, you know, when, and it came out and I looked at it and it looked really good. I'd be walking by it, uh, people playing it at the uh, local game stores. And, uh, I mean, I'm not, I, this may not be a hard sell. Um, but, uh, what made me think about it, cause Paul's been on me about playing and, um, Paul's already sucked me into other games. Um, so yep. why not this one? But, um, well, I was trying to think about before the podcast, I was trying to think like, what are the aspects of games that, you know, that get me sucked in? And really it comes down to theme, what happens pregame, what happens in the game, and then just the hobby aspect of it. So that's kind of what we're going to focus on. Um, so I went over to uh, Fantasy Flight Games' website, and here's kind of their description. It says Legion invites you to join the unsung battles of the Galactic Civil War as the commander of a unique army filled with troopers, powerful ground or repulsor vehicles, and iconic characters like Darth Vader or Luke Skywalker. While innovative mechanics simulate the fog of war and the chaos of battle, the unpainted, easily assembled miniatures give you a canvas to create the Star Wars army you've always wanted to lead into battle. Whether you fight for the monolithic, oppressive Galactic Empire or the ragtag Rebel Alliance. So I think we can pretty much end the podcast now because I'm going to go buy the starter set after reading that. <laughs> <laughs> the, the amazing thing, as I'm listening to you read that, 
it is such an apt description of the game. Like they, I know, I know it's all fancy and and the way they worded everything, but that is a perfect description of the game. Yeah, it's it's. it's I don't I don't know who wrote it, but it's pretty good. So uh, let's uh, let's start with the convincing here. So I'd like to hear um, probably what I think is the easiest sell on here, and that's theme. Um, and w- what I'm really interested in is we know what the theme is, obviously, but I want to get a sense of you know, do you feel does does the theme reach the table? When you're playing, do you feel the game, Paul? So one of the things, and and we've talked about this a lot on on my show when we've talked about all of the the uh, Fantasy Flight Star Wars game, but these games, especially Legion, are just oozing thematic Star Wars. It is extremely easy for you to put your models on the table and visualize them in your head, functioning as you've seen them function in the movies. And I mean. It, it just it just doesn't get any better than that when you're when you're playing Star Wars. Like you put Vader on the field, and I, I play Rebels. I don't I don't know. Um, Donald, you know, what do you I, play? I, I, yeah, I was actually that's, that's a great question, question. Um, and it actually allows me to plug my site again um, because <laughs> <laughs> I play uh, I only play Imperial, um, and I don't know nice. if, I don't know what that is because like as far as I was a kid with the action figures, I love both. And X Wing, I'll play anything. But in Legion, I, 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 I have to play Imperial. And uh, so we, we actually sell the boxes split. Um, but yeah, no, I, I do Imperial. Um, and I totally understand like why you're going for the other guys. Like they're both awesome. But for me, it's the Imperial. And, and do, you, the, do you feel the theme like, like Paul's talking? I mean, how, how does that fit when you, when you drop Darth Vader on no, the table? I, I mean, absolutely. And um, I gave my Darth Vader the little, we, get, we made a head that wears mask is off. And... Oh, that's so cool. My my Vader is uh, when he when when he goes out there. I send him out like there was a uh, there's an iconic scene in one of the comic books where they tell Vader like you know we have you surrounded and he's like you know I'm only surrounded by dead men and fear and I was like oh it's such a know, great like, line <laughs> and, uh, and that's how I play him you know I send him out there and sometimes it works. Um, last week my buddy Corey uh, pounded him down with an army of Wookies just into the dirt, but uh, when it works it's awesome and I definitely feel. Like I'm playing, you know, like like I'm really playing Star Wars. I'm not just playing a minis game, but I'm right. playing Star Wars. I think that they did a, a great job with the mechanics and the way that the the, the cards interact with one another. Um, I, I I 100% agree, Paul. Like when I'm playing, I am, you know, I am Vader. I you know, like I'm I'm in there, you know. And and Vader is a great example of where this theme is is so strong because as a Rebel player, when I see him on the table. I look at him and go, oh, man, how am I going to deal with that? And he's he's a slow model, but he's just going to walk forward. And anything I leave in his way, it's going to die. Right. I mean, I've had I've had Vader take out a, a T-47 that was flying over his head. I've had, um, you know, just rebel troopers be behind cover. And all of a sudden Vader shows up and they're just like, well, I guess we'll be off the table now. Damn, that's so cool. It, it, it's and it's awesome because not everybody in the game can do that. So it's not like a, every model is just dying all the time. That's specific to Vader, and like like uh, was just quoted from the uh, uh, what's call the uh, Vader Down comic. Like to me, that that says everything about Vader. Yeah, right. Is that you know that that I'm only surrounded by dead guys because I'm going to kill you all, and that's how he plays. 
That's, it's what's so great about it. That's very, very cool. And, and I'm going to have to knock my golden child of, of Malifaux here because I love the theme of Malifaux. So I love the models and I love the setting and everything like that. And, you know, when you set up the board and you get the models on the table, you can, you know, really kind of feels and looks that way. But I have to say when they, when I'm playing Malifaux, it gets a little mechanical. Uh, you know, so I, I, well, you know, when I send Archie in, I don't imagine, uh, this giant lumbering Frankenstein type monster going in and beating up on, you know, a, you know, uh, some minion from the other side, you know, it, it definitely, they, it be, they become stats and they become, you know, actions to me. Um, but it sounds well, like it, that's, that's not quite true for this well, game. Well, I, I, I think, I think part of that Craig, and this is, this might be a, a little off the rails here, but I think part of that might be, uh, the, the competitive player in you. Cause I think at some point, once you're playing a game competitively, it's going to turn into the matrix and be. It's a good point. Stats. Yep. No, it's well, a good I, point. I think there, there is also, um, not that the, 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 the Vader description we've given is, is entirely absent from Malifaux. Um, cause like when I play Rasputina, like, which is a, uh, oh, for those of you who don't play Malifaux who are out there, that's, uh, she's like an ice witch and there's an entire section of models that are themed around this ice magic that she does. And so when I put them all together, I, I, I make noises while my ice monsters are walking and I'm, I, I, you know, I get made fun of at the store, but whatever, I have a good time. Like I have my, my whole army of, you know, the, the, the frozen Whatever. And, the, and uh, I, I, I get just as into that when I'm playing Rasputina and Malifaux as I do with the Darth Vader in Star Wars. And I think that's why Malifaux is able, just, just as a side note, why they're able to release a model. Well, what, they're re, still retooling for M3, but when they get back into the swing of things, they're going to get back into releasing you know, almost a model a month. And I think that they do that to, to fill in so that other, other crews can have that same thematic... Um, nature about yeah. them because you have like the guys like the Jack Dawn, the cursed guys, and you know. So um, maybe Archie doesn't have all of his buddies yet, but I think it, I think he will eventually. Um, but maybe maybe it's that you're looking at that 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 play as Paul said. Maybe this you know maybe that's you're too competitive in that moment to 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 have that little kid moment that we have with Darth Vader, and maybe it's the theme of Star Wars that allows us to transcend even in a competitive game to be able to still be that. You know, I still turn into that 11 year old kid holding the action figure, you know, you know, you, you, Donald, you made me you made me think of something there. And and that's bringing up Rasputina as as a theme, right? Playing playing all the things, all the Decemberists and, and the ice monsters and everybody that can can function with those ice mechanics. Maybe because Legion is, is already has that built in focused feel. Um, maybe that's why it does that because in Malifaux, at least in 2E, and I know this is changing a little bit as we get into third edition, you could play those different thematic models together. So that kind of takes away from that theme. So you, you know, you could have, um, you know, Rasputina, but then you could also have railroad workers. Yep. You know, which, is going to take away from, from that ice theme. Whereas here it's, you're playing the Imperials. I, I can so definitely that, see that. That yeah. could be part of that too. And I think too, all, you know, you guys got me thinking, cause you know, I don't, you're not, I don't think you're hundred percent right when you say it's the competitive player in me, because anybody who knows me, I'm not competitive. Uh, and that's because I, I'm terrible. Um, not because I don't <laughs> I like play Jim. competitively, but um, uh, boy, you can't do a single podcast without giving Jim a shout out. Can you? Oh, I love Jim. He's the best. <laughs> but um, I think you know what it is too, and we can t- we'll be talking more about this as we move on here in a moment. Um, it's also because I think Malifaux is such a deep, uh, heady game. 
It, um, I think it's a very deep game and it, uh, it's not a light game. Like I would get, when I played Warhammer, I would get into it thematically just because it wasn't a heavy game. Um, you know, your choices were limited, your choices kind of mattered, but let's be honest, you, most of the choices that mattered were made before you ever put the models on the table. Um, whereas Mal- and how many dice, you, how yeah. many dice you pick up is really where the choice is. Exactly. And, um, so I think with Malifaux, that's, that, that's a little bit different. Um, so that kind of, kind of leads me in here to kind of the second thing that matters to me about games. And that's really kind of what I call the pregame, which is, you know, what kind of scenarios are in Legion? What are the win conditions and do they vary from from game to game and um you know how do you build an army how do you build a crew to put on the table um donald can you kind of give me some ideas sure um so without going through each card and and putting everybody who's listening to sleep um (laughs) i i still refer to it as uh selecting schemes and strategies as though we were playing malifaux um because of course i mean we're gonna we're getting all kinds of free publicity here to weird but uh they deserve it they're great guys uh (laughs) and uh so you you start out with um, same thing as, as a lot of minis games. You have a, a co- every guy has a cost, and you do your math to build your your crew or your army. Um, but then where Legion gets really cool is each player puts forward some cards, and then together you pick the what are going to be the win conditions for the game, and uh, then you move on to what the uh, what the actual conditions of the board are. So if there's uh, like the one I'm totally blanking on the, on the names of them. I'm sorry. But, uh, one of them is that like, you can't remove what's called suppression in the game unless you're touch, unless your guy's touching terrain. So what's suppress it's, it's just a, uh, it's hard. It's your guys are, uh, more affected by fire going over their heads. Basically they're, they're not as easy. Mm-hmm. So, well, well, them- thematically, it's it's basically that you're on a planet with inhospitable weather. So unless yeah. you're against a piece of terrain, uh, you're not able to to remove that suppression token because you're not only are you dealing with enemy incoming fire, you're also dealing with bad weather conditions. So imagine guys in like their coats holding their hats on and you know getting shot at. Yeah, which is just such an awesome. Uh, that's one. That's got to be my favorite condition. So you you pick. You know your win conditions, your actual conditions of the board, and then your deployment, and they're done by both players again putting cards forward. And then you take turns um, selecting one to be removed, and then what you're left over with is how the game is played. So I really like that mechanic. Oh, that's cool. So it's, it's almost like a, it sounds like it's almost like a draft kind of. It, it, essentially, yes. That that is a fantastic way to describe it. That's yeah. cool. That's cool. You, basically, you have you have three different. Uh, uh, card types, right? Like, like Donald said, your scenario, your deployment, and your, I always call them environmental conditions. Um, and you, you put out three of them and everybody, each, each player gets a chance to remove two cards and you have to start at the left side. Hmm. And so if I take out one of the deployment options, now the second deployment option in is the one that we're going with. Right. So that might change you know, if I'm playing against Donald, that might change his idea on what which one he wants to get rid of. So, it, so it's a little battle of wits of going, well, this is what my army's good at. And I don't want to end up, you know, deploying on the, the long ends of the table, um, you know, because or, or I guess the short end of the table because I'm slow. Right. You know, I'm Darth Vader. I'm, I'm a bunch of slow guys. I'm not going to be able to get to the objectives. So 
take that one out so this way the other ones are closer. Oh, that's kind of interesting. So so there's like a pool and what you have to do is kind of look at it and go, what would hurt me the most? And that's that's yep. what you remove. And then your opponent does the same thing. And it's just back and forth until you end up with a single board condition, a single win uh, condition and then a single deployment. Well, no, it's not until the single. It's you, you, you always eliminate the leftmost one first. So, and you only get two chances to remove them. So oh. there's a, there's a limit on it. Okay. Yeah. So you can kind of see. Well, if I do this one, this one's going to get left. And, I see. And you also have the opportunity to pass. So it's hmm. a really neat like mini like, game. <laughs> yeah. And and the other thing too. And I'm sorry, Donald. I know I just kind of stole this conversation from you it gets me excited every time i love this game and the other thing too is there's a little bit of strategy in it because whoever has the least amount of points you use their cards oh that okay so when you say wait a minute so stuff isn't necessarily eliminated you're just going back and forth based on who's losing no 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 when you when you had when you come to the table each player will have built a deck of of four of each of these types of cards. Got it. Okay. And so I'll look at Donald. He'll be like, how many points do you have? And, and he'll say, I'm at 799. And I'm say, okay, I'm at 795. We use the deck that I built. Interesting. To then flip random cards from. Interesting. So your, Interesting. your advantage is that if you're a little bit lower on points and you're like, I, this is a terrible deployment for me. I'm not going to put that in my build. Huh. So you get to build the deck that the that the uh, the, the selection process goes through. If you've got fewer right. points than your opponent, that is very interesting. Very interesting. Um, I, one last thing about pregame is, um, you know, you, Donald, you mentioned points, um, and you kind of build, and each model is a different point. Is it a is it kind of like a skirmish game where each model is independent, or is it squad based where you activate squads and move squads? There's a, it's a bit of a mix. So uh, you're, you have guys, you've basically right now you have commanders. So your Darth Vader, your Emperor Palpatine, your Luke Skywalker, those are all going to be an independent unit with, of course, some synergy with the other ones, to, you know, to build onto the theme. And then like your stormtroopers come as squads. Gotcha. Um, and the way that the activations work um, is, is uh, which we'll, we'll get to later when we get into the actual in-game, yep. um, makes them really interesting. Um, the, the, the activations are done in a, in a very interesting, fun way um, that is, again, also impacted by the theme, which helps immerse the, the Star Wars experience. So uh, what's a t- what's a typical point size for a match like normal official from final or Final Fantasy dirt <laughs> from Fantasy Flight Games is 800 points. OK. And, and roughly ballpark. How many models Imperial does that mean? And how many rebels does that mean? Ballpark? Uh, it depends. I mean, well, no because, shit, it depends. I know it, that. It, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, no, because there's there's a big depends, because if, if you want to put Vader and Palpatine on the table together, that's half your points. Oh, okay. Okay. So there's a lot, there's a lot of variety in where you're spending your points. Well, let's put it this way. Um, uh, so the starter set, right. comes with uh, both rebel and Imperial. How many points roughly is on each side in the starter set? Do you know? About 300, I think. Oh, okay. Offhand. Okay. So you're looking at uh, about twice as many models, a little bit more than twice as many models than you get in the starter set is going to get you your typical game size. Yeah, I think if, if I remember correctly, I believe I believe it's 300. And well, I mean, when, once you get into vehicles and, and stuff like that, then you really start uh, filling up those points a, a good deal quicker. All right. So if you just have the troops, but it, it and, and this is this fits in pregame. You also like 
very much like 40K, you do have a force org you have to fill out. Oh, okay. That's a big deal. So you, yeah. So you have to have at least three units of core troopers. Okay. Okay. Um, and you have, and you can have like one to two in your commander slot. And then I think everything else is just zero to three. Okay. All right. And, and believe it or not, as something actually I've always liked, always liked about 40K, but, and the additions that started coming out, they kind of went away from that a little bit. And that was mm-hmm. part of why I stopped playing. So that's interesting. So I, I think my big takeaway on the pregame, the thing that I find the most <laughs> interesting is, is that the whole concept of the decks and the process of elimination to kind of set the, set the, the uh, you know, the environment and the playing field and everything like that. that. That's something I've never seen before. And that sounds really cool. That, that, that single-handedly was my, okay, it's a star Wars game to, this is amazing. <laughs> All right. So now uh, the next thing that really matters to me is obviously, you know, how the game in-game plays. Um, so, Donald, you you start talking about kind of how activations work. Can you kind of walk me through that? Sure, sure. So the, the activations are pretty neat because every everybody uh, who's on your team has a little token. And um, then you have what's called your command deck. And from your command deck, you pick a card that you're going to play. And that card will have usually um, usually some kind of shenanigan on it, you know, and it'll say um, when doing this to such, you know, when, when you pick, um, su- you know, such and such unit, you get to do such and such extra thing. Um, or the lower point ones don't have anything and they just say how many units you can you can issue a token to. And what the tokens do is in the beginning of the, of the match, when you play your tokens on certain guys... Those are the guys that you can activate at any time during your turn. So mm-hmm. if I have a token on him, that means he's waiting to activate and I can choose to activate him. Then the rest of your tokens that you weren't able to put down because they weren't, most of the cards will say two units or one unit. Um, and then the rest of them you put in a bag. And when it's your turn to activate, you can either activate one of the guys that you have a token on who's waiting to activate, or you take your little baggie and you draw one at random. And when you draw it out, it'll either be a commander token, a specialist token, a vehicle token, and um, if, you, if that's what you draw, that's what you have to activate. And so, so how do you decide, Donald, what you put in the bag and what do you put on the on the table? So that's that's decided based on your command deck. So you have, um, I think it's five five cards that you have. And so, for example, the the, the one seven or it's, seven. I'm it's, sorry, it's seven. Three, uh, basically three for each commander slot, and then one basic one right. that you have to take. So then, when you take that, like the card will say, um, like two units. What that means is you get to pick two units to put a token on and those you can choose when it's your turn to activate. Oh, well, you know, Paul just activated his rebel troopers right there and they're about to get behind my ATST. I better move that thing. So I'm going to put a command token on the, you know, on the ATST and uh, Mm -hmm. as opposed to leaving it up to chance. Whereas if we're still, if we're doing the deployment, we're both on the short end of the table we're very far away from each other. I may, you know, use one of the cards that only lets me pick one unit and then play mostly by chance that turn. Got it. And and say, okay, I drew the commander tokens. Now Darth Vader is moving his amazing, you know, speed of one. <laughs> and you play you play one card per turn. Correct. Gotcha. Cause it also because the number there, there's pips on each card, and the number of pips on the card determines who is your first player for the turn. Okay. So these cards are doing multiple things. Yeah. So really the better the better the card is, like for for going first, um, the less pips it will have. Got it. Got right. it. So um, um, and, and so the, the other thing that this really sorry about the dog. The <laughs> other thing that this really does is it builds that fog of war, right? Because 
in the in the craziness of battle, not all your orders are going to get through. So you have that ability to to contact the guys who you need doing stuff the most. And then the rest, you know, they're kind of working on their own. And you also have to be um, within a certain range of the commander uh, whose card it is. Oh, okay. So now that Fog of War reference in the description makes sense to me, because when I think of Fog of War, I think of like... uh uh, real-time strategy games, you know, you can't see the whole battlefield, but they're kind of giving you that feeling with the random aspect of, you know, Correct. of who you can activate. And when you pull that token, it's not for squad A, it's for, you know, one of these slots, right? Right, exactly. So if, you ha- if you're playing with six trooper units, um, you know, and you pull out a trooper unit from the bag, you can activate any one of them that's that hasn't activated yet the turn, but it has to be a trooper. Got it. Got it. Okay, cool. Um, so as far as, you know, other things that are in-game mechanics, um, I don't really, you know, stuff that's kind of normal. Um, I don't really care about stuff that's typical war gaming. Is there anything uh, either of you can think of that that really makes uh, Legion stand out? I think I think one thing that definitely stands out, and this is a, a fantasy, fantasy flight um, staple, is the, the movement and the range templates, which uh, when you're showing the game to players of other games you get a lot of mixed reactions uh but they do that kind of adds to that fog of war as well because the the troopers are are when you move like a a unit of stormtroopers the movement is entirely based off the the commander of the unit so it's kind of the way that you move them is you move the commander first and then everybody kind of fills in around him Mm -hmm. i think that once you get used to the fantasy flight using the standard templates it really balances out um the fiddly nature that is a challenge to all minis games. You know, no mini is ever moved perfectly. Right. I mean, I laser cut widgets every day to try to help people move their minis a little more accurately. And I can tell you, it's still, um, it's still difficult. So the fact that they, they make what are basically their own widgets uh, for movement that are cut out to fit the base and have little, you know, that you can move them a certain way. Um, it it really makes the game more fair as far as far as movement because it takes away some of the stress of oh uh, well that guy should be an eighth inch that way or an eighth inch that way you just put him against the template and you know it it, it really cuts back on the potential for arguments as far as movement and placing guys and are those templates very similar to like what because uh, I used to play X wing is it, is it a similar type idea imagine that with a pivot in the middle okay so so it, so it moves so you can you can you can adjust where your model is going to end up. And, and the other thing that it does to take away some of the questionable moves is that you're only actually moving the leader of the unit. Right. And then you're just putting everybody else down within uh, a certain range of him. So when you're when you're measuring range between unit A and unit B, do you measure commander to commander and then everybody else? Or does it matter where those surrounding troops end up? Oh, that's a loaded question, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> Well, answer for me. <laughs> it, it depends. Like if you're uh, if you're shooting me, um, and I and I take damage as that unit. Um, the way that you do the for like stormtroopers, it's very easy because you don't actually track their health because they all only have health one. So if you do one damage to my stormtrooper unit, I'm plucking a guy off the board, um, whether you can see him or not. But based on how I place them, um, if I place a stormtrooper in such a way where he's out of range for the weapon, then he, I don't get to use his weapon. Um, oh, okay. So it's kind of, uh, it's, you know, that, that one's still a little, a little up, you know, it kind of depends on, on exactly what's, 
what's uh you know what what's on the board because I'm of course gonna pick uh, you know whatever the weakest stormtrooper I have in my unit is to, for to take the damage even if he's a guy that you know according to line of sight you may you know you may not have actually had a a beat on but because he's in that mm-hmm. unit and I need to take one damage that's the guy I'm plucking. I believe I I I I think you need line of sight to the model to be able to remove them. Oh, I might be cheating then. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure line of sight can can remove the possibility of, of taking a model. I, I think the distance doesn't matter. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Um, Maybe that's what so you're like thinking if, about if his he, distance. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, he's the, if he's the guy all the way in the back, you can still take him off if the leader has line of sight to him. Uh, so I, I guess what I'm trying to figure out, guys, is like, how do you decide? So I, I understand I take my commander, I use the template, I move my commander. What, what is the decision-making process for, for placing the rest of the models? For after you move your commander, you take the the uh, the shortest movement measure and you place all of the other miniatures from the unit so they are within that distance of your leader. Oh, so you have to so they can create a bubble. Basically, yeah. And they can be further up. They can be further back. But they have uh, to it, be within it, X amount. Right. It's the it's the smallest. It's the smallest measure. And I'm, I'm going to pull up. The rule book. I can't believe I didn't do this because, like I said, it is a loaded question about some of those measurements, um, and I can never always yeah. remember. That. While so. while you're getting that rule book up, I'm just going to go ahead and say I am not a rules expert on this game by any means. Oh, we, uh, we figured that out already, <laughs> Donald. <laughs> I just want to make sure that no nobody's taking anything that I say. Uh, <laughs> like you know, but I, I played a lot, and uh, luckily I play with guys that know the rules really well. Um, <laughs> that's good. But, that's uh, good. Yeah, that's my thing. I'm always like, wait, which guy am I measuring to? That that's probably one of the more confusing bits of the game. Honestly, I mean, if you want to talk somewhat of a negative, it's, yeah. it's just kind of remembering. All right, well, this one I measure. I believe it's line of sight from your commander, but range from all the other models. Uh, and that var- again, that varies from like weapon to weapon or action to action, or well, it can it can it can you can have mixed distances um in in your unit we didn't talk in the in the building aspect the the list building aspect but you can have upgrades um in in your unit so when you have a stormtrooper unit you can upgrade like they all the units are base four guys Mm -hmm. right so you can add an extra trooper you can add a heavy weapon which is where it initially started but now you can actually add like a medical droid to a unit as well so there's some some more variety as they've expanded the game got you Guy. Um, so with, with stormtroopers specifically, most of them, I believe their base weapon is range one to three. And, and we, we joke around and call them standard Imperial units. <laughs> um, so it's, it's one to three Imperial units, uh, is what their, their range is, but you put in one of the, uh, the DLT heavy trooper and they're one to four. So even if the rest of their unit is out of range, that DLT can shoot. Okay, that makes sense. So um, I think the, the kind of the template thing it seems kind of different, um, and you know the f- f- fact that uh, your movement's really based on the the commander that's kind of cool. Anything else in game that really makes Legion different than other games and makes it attractive? 
as far as we're missing it, we're, we're missing one of the best things about the game. Do tell. We have not, we have not talked about the dice yet. Oh yeah. Tell oh, me about the dice. Absolutely. Yeah. So, because you know, it's, it's fantasy flight. They have to make their money off of their dice. Yeah. Right. So I, I, the, I should have known <laughs> they don't use the standard six sided die. Yeah. No, there's the, I mean, if there's some of them are six sided dies, but obviously they don't have numbers on them because it's fantasy flight. Um, and, and actually what that's, that's made them able to do is uh, really kind of affect the the capabilities of, of different units by using different combination of the color of the dice. All right, walk me um, through that. Okay, so uh, there, if you're if you're attacking, there's three different color dice, mm-hmm. and, the, and these ones are eight sided, I believe. I think they're eight. I don't think they're ten. Okay. Um, so. Your white dice, which are always your worst ones, they have one success and one surge on it. And then the rest are blanks? And the rest are blanks. Okay. Uh, oh, that might be the defense die. It doesn't matter. Keep going. I get the idea. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, when you roll those dice, you might be rolling a whole lot of white dice, and, and that's where your, you know, your, your success comes in is, is the 40K volume of dice. Yep. Your black die, oh, no. Okay, um, I forgot the crit. So there are three successes on it and five blanks. So it's a crit, a surge, and a regular hit. Mm-hmm. Okay. The black dice are a surge, a crit, and two hits, maybe three hits. I should have pulled out the die. Um, and then your best die are red dice. There's only one blank side on those. So what determines which die I use? Kind of the 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 car the the unit itself and how good they are. Yeah, the, it depends on it depends on what weapon they are carrying. Um, so to give you an idea, stormtroopers, um, they are all rolling one white dice with their basic shot because because they're, they're stormtroopers. You, you, you've seen the movie, right? Yep. <laughs> but but one of the one of the interesting things that they did is yeah, they kind of suck because they're rolling white dice, but you know nothing's as precise as a stormtrooper, so they can re-roll more dice than than other units. Ah, okay. And, it, and it's called precise um, because you can you can take ba- the mechanic basically works that instead of an action, you can take an aim token. And then when you shoot, you can use that aim token to reroll two dice. If you're a stormtrooper, you can reroll three dice, which can make a difference on on the white dice. Got it. OK. All right. right. That's so, kind of cool. And, and so what it's allowed them to do is mix and match some of those dice. Um, for instance, the. Um, the speeder bikes, they're using both red and black dice. So some of them are really likely to hit. Some of them are less likely to hit. So you can, you can change that variety based on that. And the same thing is happening with defense dice. Uh, but there's only two colors. There's, there's white and red, um, red being the best and stormtroopers, they're, you know, covered in armor. So they get the red dice. Okay. So they can actually be very hard to kill, unlike in the movies. So I'd imagine the rebels in their t-shirts and shorts are, are rolling the white dice. They're rolling the white dice. So so mechanically, when you're playing the game, terrain is much more important for the rebels. Like a lot of your stormtroopers and stuff, they can just walk across the, the field. You know, some of them are going to get shot. But again, they're in heavy armor. Thematically, they're just like, whatever. You're the guy in the T-shirt. All right. That's pretty cool. So the I guess kind of my last question then is I, I know, you know, even in the starter set, they have vehicles. Um, can you kind of give me a, uh, an idea of how vehicles work? Um, I will say that one of the things that ended up ruining 40K for me was 
kind of the the injection of vehicles like flyers and stuff like that. It just became too much to the game. Um, how, how do how do vehicles feel? So that's that's one thing that I actually think they did really well. Um, and so the vehicles were they really don't feel injected. They feel organic to the game. I I, I think at least even with the the ATST, which is an expansion. And the snow speeder or air speeder, I think they're calling it in this, um, because the vehicles are, are, are fairly fairly well balanced. Um, you know, they're not running all over the board and destroying everything, um, because they have like for example uh, the ATST, which I, I love to field. Um, while it's it's very tanky from the front, and with the right points, you can put a ton of weapons on it, which makes sense because it's a vehicle. You could put different weapons on it, um, but you get somebody behind it. And they're just, it's very, you know, very vulnerable from the back. So they're, they're just destroying it then. Um, so I, I think that the way that they incorporated the balance into the, into the vehicles really makes them more organic to the game as, a, as opposed to other game systems where they may have been kind of forced. One, one of the interesting things that they did, and th- th- I guess this goes back to the dice, because there's no real uh, defense stat like you have in, in other games. So what they did is they gave vehicles an ability called armor and a vehicle with armor only counts criticals as hits. So that means that on each attack die that you're rolling, you basically have one chance to get through that armor and hit. Got it. So it kind of downgrades the dice. Correct. So what that also gave them the ability to do is have an ability on weapons called impact. So a lot of your heavy weapon upgrades have impact. And normally when you see it written down, it'll have a number after like impact one. So what that means is that after you collect your dice pool and you roll them, you can take one regular hit and change it to a crit. So it's kind of like your armor penetration. Yep, exactly. Yeah, and then like, like Paul was saying, the, uh, and, and um, so the way that the vehicles work, at least with the, the ATST, is it, it has the, the opposite of armor one behind it. So behind, uh, it has what's called weak point one rear, which is um, when you're defending, if the unit leader, because everything's based off the leader of your individual little squadrons, um, is behind you and inside your, your rear arc, um, they, they gain impact one. So it's so it's functionally like the thing is is armored on the front and then kind of vulnerable, which makes sense for that vehicle because it's it's walking forward, you know. And one, one of the neat things they did thematically, Craig, you'll, you'll appreciate this. The ATST and the T-47 airspeeder came out in the same wave. And there, you can get a tow cable on your T-47. Like now we're talking. Of, of Empire. And one of the things that allows you to do is rotate <laughs> an enemy vehicle. So if you, if you hit an ATST with that tow cable, you can rotate them 45 degrees. Now suddenly your rebel troopers are in their in their butt. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that is pretty cool. Do you guys? Um, h- how heavy is the game? Uh, do you think it's uh, are the rules pretty streamlined? Is uh, do you think it? Um, would you consider this a heavy war game, or is it more beer and pretzels? I think it's scalable both ways. Because um, like you've heard me, like I I really only have about three quarters of the rules memorized, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I play this game every week. Um, and I'm a, I'm a lighter player, but I love the, the theme and I'm able to play with more competitive guys and they, they pick up the slack for the rules that I don't have quite memorized yet. And there's fantasy flight also has all kinds of aids you can print out. And they sent us a bunch of aids when the game was being launched to help us like little cheat sheets for how to handle vehicles when they get damaged a certain way. Um, and 
a good amount of the games I play are only four or 500 points so we can play quicker games, even though the official mm-hmm. is 800. Um, so at, at least with the, the guys that I've been playing, we've, we've been able to scale it where if the guys want to be really competitive, they can play the full eight and get serious and, um, you know, or you can play the lighter games, which uh, they scale, you know, really well. The balance seems to be there, um, you know, at, at different point levels. And it sounds like it's been built to be balanced at 800, but you can scale up and down. I, th- I think the only thing you truly lose in a smaller than 800 point game, and especially once you get down, if you're playing a half size game, you're losing the tactical decision making on where you're handing out your orders during the order step. Oh, okay. Because if you only have four units and you're handing out two, yep, matters there's a less. good chance that you, yep. you're going to put out the ones that you want. So, I mean, that's that's what you're going to lose out of the smaller size game. I think everything else is going to function similarly um, other than that tactical choice. Do you um, So, do you guys consider it a lighter game, medium game, a heavy game? Oh, we totally dodged that, didn't we? Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I would say I would put it in uh, the, the medium medium to, uh, to maybe medium heavy. It's not, it's not heavy because um, they haven't released all their win all the, all the new win conditions that we know they're going to be. Uh, there's still a ton of models to be released and the new terrain pieces, like when they sent out the, the objectives pack and they just announced the crashed ATST terrain pack. Those are you know, so exciting. Yeah, I know. <laughs> those are going to be so awesome. <laughs> uh, but they, they've, they've added cards to the game to add, add additional win conditions and different environmental conditions. And I think as those come out, the game will scale to be heavier and heavier um, but right now, I would put it at the medium to medium plus. How do you compare what it to like, to like well, hold on a second. Like, how would you compare it to yeah. X-Wing? Do you think it's a heavier game or a lighter game than X-Wing, Donald? X-Wing 1 or X-Wing 2? <laughs> oh, I only ever played X-Wing 1, so. Um, I would say it's somewhere between X-Wing 1 and, Ar- and Armada. Um, it's it's not, like Armada, I always joked, was Malifaux in space. Uh, not mm. not that there was any IP infringement, nobody stole anything. It's just a joke that I make because of the level of complexity. Because Armada had a lot more complicated win conditions than X-Wing. X-Wing was just blow the other guy up. Right. Legion, there is, you can do some of that, but you do have win conditions and environmental conditions. So it's definitely heavier than, it's definitely heavier than X-Wing, but the theme is more immersive than X-Wing 1.0 was. So how about you, Paul? What do you compare it to as far as having... What are what are other games do you think that have the same type of weight? I'm I'm going to agree that it's middle ground on this, and part of that is is fi- uh, Final Fantasy. I'm saying it again. Fantasy Flight's approach to releases is that when they when they released the initial box, it was pretty thin as far as special rules. You know, if you if you could remember that your Rebel Troopers had dodge and your Stormtroopers had precise, and you know that Vader was going to kill you in one shot. You were good to go. Mm-hmm. But as they've added new waves, there's probably been like one, maybe two new special rules with each new wave. So if you if you imagine, say, like the War Machine rulebook, either second or third, whichever one you're more familiar with. And they had, you know, all the little icons for that were basically your 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 special common rules that people had, you know, your Pathfinder and all that. So basically what they've done is is. They're expanding those, but they started you with so much with with a limited pool of them so you could learn the game. So they did a very good job of introducing the game to the players without having 
a lot of that weight behind it. So you could focus on learning the basic mechanics of it. Uh, so they kind of by, by by the they stepped you in and kind of eased you into it. Yeah, exactly. It's it. It's almost like playing a RPG where you start off at level one and, you know, you get more abilities as you as you grow and, and level up. And if you think of each each wave of models as a as a new level, you're getting some new abilities to come out with it that you can that you can learn and try. I mean, the the latest wave for the rebels was Jin Erso and, and the Pathfinders. And one of the things that they introduced to the game, well, they, they introduced two really cool things. The first one is that they can deploy basically anywhere on the table. Nobody's been able to do that before. Yeah. Um, They have to be, I think it's three, two or three standard Imperial units away from an enemy model, but that's the only requirement on their deployment. The other thing that they do. um, And again, this goes back to our discussion of theming is that the path, some of the pathfinder models, your, your heavy weapon upgrades and gin have weapons that you can change their abilities on partway through the game. Huh. So if you if you think about Rogue One when Cassian and Andor was was going to uh, you know snipe Jin's dad, you know he was like, oh, I'm putting it into sniper configuration. That's a thing in the game now, brought in here, and the Death Troopers, which are coming out next month, are going to have a weapon that has that ability too. Uh, that's cool. So, now, uh, one last quick question as far as in game: Can Imperial fight Imperial, or do you really need it to be? You you need to find a rebel player if you play Imperial. No, you you can you can play mirror love, matches all day. I love playing Imperial versus Imperial. <laughs> oh really? It's uh it's a different it's it's I I like it because you know you you, you kind of that's where you get into your playful rivalry with your buddies of you know I'm the real Vader I play Vader better Vader. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So last but not least, things that matter to me are a hobby. I I noticed the models look relatively easy to put together. Painting wise, obviously, you know you're painting stuff that you love. The thing that I really wanted to talk about a little bit is uh, kind of terrain. What is the, what's the board size and um, uh, you know how does terrain factor in as far as um, you know pulling stuff in to make boards? Okay, so. Um as far as painting goes, let me just tell you, Tauntauns are coming out and I can't be more excited to put oh, paint on a Tauntaun. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm so thrilled about that. As far as terrain goes, there is a huge community of people that are making 3D printed terrain for this game. And whether they're, whether you can get, if you have a 3D printer and you can get the schematics for it, or you can actually just go and, and purchase some. And a lot of it is phenomenal. I have, and next time I see you, Craig, I'll show it to you. I have a wrecked ATAT body and and leg um, that I put out on the on the on the battleground, and it just looks phenomenal. Oh, so, that sounds cool. Yeah. So the 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 home the home three D printer type people are just taking this game and running with it. Um, it's it's been absolutely amazing, and and all different types of of battlefields are showing up obviously a lot of Tatooine um, a lot of Hoth stuff so like shield generators and, and all those types of things but we're starting to see also now a lot more Endor themed stuff so people oh. are building 3D printed trees like wreck trees and you know the big giant cedars that you see in you know the movie and all that stuff or the redwoods I'm sorry um, and and cu- and the terrain factors into the game pretty heavily oh, that, um, yeah that's important yeah, because you can you can get there's light or heavy cover and it's fairly straightforward. If you're behind one piece of cover, you have light cover. Um, if you're behind a second piece, it can go up to a hard cover. Or if you're like on the corner of a building, that could be hard cover. Um, so 
And basically the way that works is that if you have light cover, you take away one success of, of what was shot at you. If you have heavy mm-hmm. cover, you take away two successes. Sounds simple. It's, it's, it's very straightforward. And if you're playing, if you're playing the rebels cover is so important because you're rolling, you're rolling dice where if you go 40 K thinking about it, you have a five, six save mm-hmm. um, because they have. And, and so I'll, I'll, I guess we didn't talk about the surges on the dice. So one of the things that you have on your card is, is if you roll a surge, um, some people can convert that to a success. So like the rebels, um, you're rolling the white dice and you have the one success and the one surge. So either one of those are good for them, but they also have get my games confused. Um, <laughs> not you. Shit, no, that's was, okay, Paul. Cause we're, uh, we're not here to, you know, explain all the rules. We're here to convince him to play. So well, yeah, yeah. But, well, this, <laughs> okay. but this is a good stuff. So, so I'm going to go yeah, with, no. the, with the wild west exodus term for it, but basically you can, you can hunker, right? Uh, okay. it's a, it's a dodge token. That's what it's called. You can take a dodge yeah. token, much like you could take an aim token when you're shooting. Yep. So your dodge token takes away another success. Got it. So, so it's kind of like cover. Yeah, exactly. So if you're behind a piece of heavy cover and you have dodge, you're taking away three successes. Okay. So, all right, let's kind of wrap up here a little bit. Um, uh, uh, first off, can, can you uh, play as Han Solo? Yeah. Okay. He was, good. He was like the third commander to come out for right. rebels. That's super I, important. I, I can't play as Han Solo because I play Imperial. Can you play as Boba Fett then? <laughs> Boba Fett, you can. Okay, good, good. So and, that's and let, and let me, two keys. Let, let me tell you, Han Solo is amazing in the game. Oh, yeah. Um, Does he because, feel like Han Solo? Because it's not like Luke Skywalker. You can just make him a badass with a lightsaber. I mean, well, what makes that, Han Solo Han Solo? And that's where the theme is. Like, Luke Luke is a badass with a lightsaber. He's not as badass as Darth Vader. He's only mm-hmm. rolling six black dice instead of six red dice. But Han Solo is a lot more tricksy. Um, right. So he's got an ability that allows him to re-roll up to three failed saves. Mm-hmm which is really awesome because it's just an innate ability. So you're like, all right, I missed. But again, you're only rolling the crappy white dice. So smugglers luck. Yeah. Yeah. Something along those lines. And if, if you think about the way he, he functions in uh, the movies, he can, he has the ability to shoot at two different units using the same weapon. Oh, okay. So he's not like Vader where Vader is going to walk up to a unit and, you know, roll six dice and take out everybody. He's going to do damage to each unit because he's rolling two red dice, but it's two different units. And, and right, right there, I think, is where you can tell that this was made by fans of Star Wars. This wasn't just a game that was skinned for Star Wars. That, that Star matters. Wars because that, that gunslinger ability that, that Paul just mentioned, where uh, you get to perform a rage attack against an, a, a, a different unit. I mean, that was written by somebody who wears the Han shot first T-shirt. <laughs> yep. And and to go along with that, that guy also made a card that even though it's it's a command card, even though it's got one pip on it, it's played as though it's a zero pip. <laughs> Which means that okay, Han's so, going to go first. Right. So they kind of <laughs> just kind of they fit stuff in. That's cool. That's yep. cool. Yep. All right. So uh, we'll uh, we'll close up here. And um, Paul, just uh, top two reasons why I should be playing Legion. Because it's a hell of a game. First of all, um, the, the mechanics are great and the theme is great. OK, Donald. Well, no, I think that I mean, even though obviously we, we didn't go through all the rules here, but the uh, the rules are fairly mechanical. So they're they're pretty easy to follow along. I mean, I still use a I still keep the rule book as a reference, but it's the, the rules are mechanical. They make sense. 
So that uh-huh. makes it a solid game. And the theme is really there. It's not yeah. skinned, it's not skinned on the game. The game was built as a Star Wars game. So I think those are two reasons why it's two reasons why I play. Because it's not just something that got it's not, you know, not to not to knock anything, but it's not Star Wars Destiny, which is a lot of fun. Destiny right. is, a, is a ton of fun, but it's not a Star Wars game. It's a it's a dice and card game. Yeah, I, I think that was my biggest concern was that this game w- would be uh, your term is perfect, Donald, that's skinned, right? That it would be just a miniatures game and you just happen to have stormtroopers versus uh, space marines. But it sounds like they didn't do that, that they really spent the time and effort making the functioning of the game feel like Star Wars. Yeah, whoever made this game absolutely loves Star Wars and understands it and knows it. Yes, All right. agreed. Very cool. All right. So uh, that uh, that takes care of it. Um, time will tell to see whether Paul has talked me into yet another game. Um, well, let but, me know uh, when you want a demo. I will be glad to run you one. <laughs> You're my dealer. Uh, <laughs> I've been hearing that a lot lately. So, uh, now, Donald, this is actually the real place where you can uh, give us a, give us a plug. So uh, let us know where people can find you and Gadzooks. All right. So obviously people like holding things in their hands. They want to see things before they buy them. So if you want to see any of my products, um, the, the store that carries the most of my stuff is called the Dragon's Horde, which is a, a store in New Jersey, um, Hackenstein, New Jersey. They have all of my products, even the prototypes on their shelves uh, for you to handle. Otherwise, uh, if you're far away or uh, you, you, or lazy, <laughs> you can just go to gadzigsgaming.com and order anything. We just came out with... Uh, we, we worked with, with uh, B- uh, Buckethead Bits Designs. We came out with a, a tank. Uh, we were slightly ahead of the Fantasy Flight release, but they are releasing a very similar model. So I'm using mine mostly for terrain since I don't want it to be confused with the gaming model. Uh, but we do have products that come out every now and then. So make sure you check us out either in person at the Dragon's Horde or online at gadzooksgaming.com. Yeah, and like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I was a customer long before uh, Donald and I connected. Um, so I fell in love with their products before he would send them to before he started sending them to me to review uh, on the uh, on the channel. Um, Paul, where can we find you? Uh, pretty much anywhere podcasts are heard. Um, I mean, the easiest way is, is we're based off of Podbean, so Podbean dot com slash Three Men in a War Game. Uh, but whatever your your preferred listening uh, podcast channel is, uh, we're there. Um, pretty straightforward. And we talk about all of the games. And I mean all of the games. Uh, so if you want to go and learn about Eden, the tiny French game, we talk about that. You want to learn about Wild West Exodus, we talk about that. And we recently did two episodes on uh, Star Wars Legion with some X-Wing and Armada thrown in. So uh, if you're listening to this, you you probably will enjoy that one as well. Yeah, I, I, I love the podcast, not only because a it kind of gives me a chance to t- take off my uh, tunnel vision I have with games and lets me hear about games. Um, I love how much passion there is. Um, the three guys that are on your podcast are different, but as passionate in different ways. Uh, so it's definitely one to subscribe to. And uh, of course, uh, for Third Floor Wars, you can go to our website, thirdfloorwars.com. You can subscribe to us on any of the major um uh, podcast distribution networks of uh, Tabletop uh, Talk is the name of uh, this cast. And last but not least, make sure you check out our Third Floor Wars uh, YouTube channel. Gentlemen, I really appreciate you taking the time. Okay, yeah, it was same, fun. Thanks. thanks for having us. This was, this was a lot right. of fun. Take care, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate and write a review on this podcast so we can find more people almost as cool as you are. 
Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube by searching for Third Floor Wars. That's T-H-I-R-D. We'll catch you next time on The Third Floor.